Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, Coach Sarge here. Um, just want to say thank you for the support so far. Um, I'm super excited to introduce our next guest, uh, Sean the Sheriff McMorrow. Uh, it was a super awesome interview. And just, you know, for full transparency, uh, based on like the software that we we're trying out uh, to use, um, there, it cuts in and out. So if you're like, oh, wait, this sounds like it's skipping, like what's going on? Um, just to let you know, you know, there were some issues, so I had to do some editing. Um, still working out the kinks. Uh, the sheriff was an awesome interview. Again, like super well-spoken, um, super personable, like outgoing. So, you know, all I had to do really was ask the questions and get out of his way. And um, he was able to take care of the rest. So it was great. Hope everybody likes it. I was a huge fan. So um, hopefully we can do more in the future. And I uh, hope you enjoy it. Well, awesome. Um, now we're live. And it's super awesome, and I'm super excited to introduce, you know, TMP Hockey's next guest, uh, which is Sean the Sheriff McMorrow. And so just a little bit of background and context, we'll get right into it. But let me do the introductions, and let me give you that courtesy of, you know, growing up, you got right into playing in the OHL for three years. Um, after that, drafted by Buffalo, which is awesome. And I didn't mention to this to you before, but um, my partner Ivan, right? He was also drafted by Buffalo. Um, after that, you went on to play five years in the AHL, and you got to live out the dream of playing in the NHL, which you know is an amazing accomplishment in itself. Um, and then you know after that, you went on to play in the infamous uh, LNAH and you know overseas as well. So um, it's nice to to have you on. Uh, good to meet you, Sean the Sheriff McMorrow. What's going on? Not too much, buddy. I, I, I love the introduction. That was incredible. So thank you very much, buddy. I'm honored to be on your show. You know, once we spoke and we brought up the show idea, buddy, I've been, I've been thinking about it ever since. And I'm just pumped up to be here, man. So thanks for having me. And thanks for all your listeners to, to be listening to me. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And um, just to provide you like a little context too, right? Like the, the main like mission and goal of like TMP hockey and you kind of touched on it, you know, going back to your podcast that you did with spitting chicklets, but, you know, making hockey more accessible and the way that we're doing that is through putting out content um, where, you know, people who are pursuing hockey and more competitively can kind of gain like insights, thought processes, you know, and, and honestly, like get a little like inspiration uh, from people like you as well. So, um, you know, that is, you know, what we're going to walk through today, kind of go through your background overview, you know, obviously tell some stories that you'd want to share um, and then what you're up to now. So uh, just to get started um, again, Ivan and my brother Garrett, who, you know, we kind of started this thing, couldn't be here today, but we wanted to get right into it. If you want to tell me a little bit about what your family life was like growing up um, and how you got into hockey. Right on. Well, that, that's an excellent question. So thank you for asking. Um you know, like it's it's a little ironic, man, that, you know, that this this time that we have right now is a time that is changing for the hockey world. Like and, and what I mean by that is the culture, um, the culture is changing. Um, we're starting to, to start recognizing the history. And like I'm, I'm, I'm mostly talking about Canada right now, like. We're, we're mostly recognizing the history. Um, we've had some really good documentaries come out like Black Ice and stuff like that that have really educated people like myself that, that think I'm a, I'm, I'm a hockey historian, but really I'm just learning 
things right now. You know what I mean? And to answer your question about, about me growing up, you know, I was using the word ironic, man, because, you know, I started coaching with Seaside Hockey uh, Club and, and, you know, that's a, an, an association that is a, that, that is giving kids the opportunity to play that normally wouldn't be interested or, or wouldn't have the opportunity to play period. And what that's doing for a family like mine, when I was growing up, cause that's what I'm tying it into um, is opportunity. And the difference between my family and other families in my situation, when I was growing up is that my mother was able to do things that, other parents weren't able to do and that was the only reason why we were able to play and like i'm talking about getting getting you know financial loans to be able to pay for equipment to be able to pay for registration you know having having the social gifts of being able to interact with other parents and developing friendships in a very quick manner so that you know her kids could get rides because you know people work full-time and aren't able to drive their kids to hockey arenas when they're at work Right. So you got to you got to organize many different things and and there's many different uh, layers and and levels to it. And, you know, to tie it all into the ironic comment and I and I promise I'll I'll wrap this long answer up right now is uh, is what I'm experiencing now and what I'm seeing kids getting the opportunity now. I could have only dreamed of people getting that, you know, 25, 30 years ago when I was growing up, me being 40 years old now. So. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving the change that I see. Um, and I, I just wanted to throw out the seaside hockey thing first because it really is something special and I'm really passionate about it. I'm very happy that I'm able to be part of a program that gives kids opportunities to play hockey that normally wouldn't. And, you know, you, you get to do that with guys like myself that were lucky enough to get to the pro ranks. And I think that's a really special, a, a really special thing. And, and that we should be celebrating stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome. Thank you for calling that out too. Cause I think I saw a post, um, I don't know if you were at the rink, uh, recently, but were they fitting kids like with hockey gear and stuff like that? Oh yeah. Like, um, I, I think the post that you, that you're um, referring to is like, I was taking a video while I was on the ice coaching, you know, a session with the kids. And the point that I was trying to make was the cool thing about seaside hockey is that while we're, you know, on an on ice session, improving the kids skills off the ice at the same time, you got the founder, Kirk Brooks, and others fitting kids for equipment because it's their first time coming. And part of the program is when you when you first come, you're fitted for equipment, you get everything that you need, and these are the tools that you need to get on the ice, right? So yeah. that's step one, and it's provided for you. And step one is usually when the parents say, I think we're going to go to baseball or basketball because <laughs> we're not going to be able to afford three, four, five, six hundred $600 worth of equipment just to get my kids started in the, in the game, right? But, you know, so, so yeah, like I was taking video of these kids getting fitted that have never been on the ice before. And, you know, one or two days from now, they're going to be in all – brand new gear from head to toe, learning how to play hockey from guys like, you know, Kirk Brooks, Sean McMorrow, Wayne Simmons, Anthony Stewart. Like, like it's, it, it's incredible. It's incredible. And I'm, I'm very proud of it. That is incredible. Um, and just to kind of like touch on that too, like I, I came from a, a situation where I grew up with a, a single mom and I have a older brother who's five years older. Right. And 
you know, she at the time was running like a, a small business, like a hair salon. And I like to your point, I have no idea how she made it through getting us both through hockey and getting fitted. Cause you know, hockey is one of like the only sports, right. Where you need all these different things and you need like the ice facility to kind of get started and get going where, you know, sometimes different sports, basketball, football, you just need, right. That, that one tool, that football, that basketball, whatever it is. So um, to your point, that's awesome that you're involved in that. And that's, that's incredible. So kudos to you, man. Yeah, man, for sure. And, and like, and, and like Sarge, like I, I don't, I, I don't like, I know this, this episode is going to be, like, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really informative. Um, you know, I, like it's, it's going to be great, but like, obviously we're touching up on, on certain topics that, that might be a little bit sensitive, but that's the whole beauty of podcasts. Right. And, that, and that's what makes it really real. And, and this is probably the realest podcast that I've ever been a part of. And, you know, so, so pretty much, I mean, I, I just wanted to kind of touch up again on just some of the stuff that I'm, that I'm trying to get out there and trying to get into people's minds and, and, and trying to get them to realize. And, and, and one point that I never hear anybody talking about is just the fact that our country as a nation, we identify ourselves as a hockey nation. We've done that for a long time. Okay. Now, 20, 30 years ago, we were very dominant. We were number one. The NHL was like, you know, 70 to 80% Canadian. We're winning all these Canada cups that, that used to always be going on. You know, we're winning the Olympics. We're, we're doing this, we're doing that. Right. But we lost our standing in the world. We lost our standing. Now the NHL is very even. I think Sweden has overtaken Canada for the most, like from one nation in the NHL. I could check on that. But the point being is that we lost where we used to be. And the reason for that, Sarge, is because we only take the best from one demographic because that's the only demographic that really has the opportunity to play. You can take little examples of Wayne Simmons and Anthony and Chris Stewart's, but that's a very, very small fraction of, of people that could be playing. And the reality is, is that in general, and I feel bad saying it, brother, because I'm a hockey guy through and through. But in general, hockey is an elitist sport where only wealthy people and families are able to afford to play. The demographic is mostly Caucasian families with two parents, where the father is, is, is very successful. The mother may have a job. Maybe she doesn't because the dad makes enough, but most times she does, right? So if you're a kid that doesn't have all these things, you have no chance, okay? And we looked into the registrations for some of the AAA hockey teams in Toronto, and we're looking at upwards of $10,000 for registration. So we were saying to the point, a single mother that makes $40,000 salary, which is very respectable and independent, she, it's just not, it's not possible for her to have one or two kids at 10 plus thousand dollars just for registration to play hockey. It's just not possible. Okay. So that's only, so our country is taking the best of one demographic, but then wait, you got programs like seaside hockey that is giving kids the opportunity to play that normally wouldn't be able to afford it and saying, Hey, if you want to try this sport out, Here's equipment. Here's the opportunity. Here's guys like Sean McMorrow and Kirk Brooks to teach you how to play. Come and play. Make our country better. So now, as a result, one or two years down the road, 
you're going to have a couple Chris and Anthony Stewart's come out of that program. And then boom, now you've got different demographics that are, that are competing for team Canada, not just one demographic. It's going to make our country dominant again. It's going to make our country number one in the world again, because we are going to have everybody playing in this country. And I think that's the most important thing. And that's what people need to focus on. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for, for sharing that. That's a lot like, Really cool that you got yourself into that. Um, and that's a really good message, too. Um, to hope you don't mind, like, switching gears a little bit. Oh, of course. Um, 100%. I'm going to go, like a, like, a hard left transition. But, oh, yeah. Um, Big time. I, I texted you, um, you know, that video or whatever. And, you know, fortunately, I got the chance to meet. You know, I was doing a little background research and saw one of your interviews of your podcast was, you know, Justin Schmidt, Schmitty. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to be a roommate with him. Um, and you know, obviously as I, I sent you that video, I also got the opportunity to be play against him and on the other side. So how do you know him? Well, Schmidt, actually, um, it, it's kind of a funny story because I had heard of this guy right through social media. Obviously I'm, I'm a fight fan too. Like, like I'm a, I'm a former player, but I'm a big fan of, of the game. And I, like, I really like the tough guys and I, I grew up that way. Right. So, I haven't changed. I'm still a big kid. So Schmitty, I was aware of. I've seen his videos. Wasn't really sure exactly who he was, but I had seen him enough that that I'd call myself a little bit of a fan because whenever I saw his stuff, I, I would definitely check it out. So now he's younger than me, right? So that was most of the reason why. But the gentleman through Derek Parker, because I remember Derek Parker was really pulling for his buddy, Justin Schmidt, to get into Ice Wars. And so Derek Parker's like, you know, sending a message to AJ Galante saying, yeah, give my buddy Justin Schmidt a shot. He's awesome. And I remember being like, yeah, that's pretty honorable, man. He must really like this guy. And, 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 you know, like Schmidt, came into the tournament. Um, he was a big presence because he had his buddy, um, Damon Fraser, uh, poor boy media at doing a documentary and following him around and, I, I just thought it was so cool how his entourage was so focused and, and, you know, and, and my role was incredibly reduced from ice wars one to ice wars two. So I had all this free time. So I'm like, man, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to embrace this and really, really enjoy this. And, and I hung, I got a chance to really spend a lot of time with Justin Schmidt, Damon Fraser, his whole entourage. And they're such cool guys. And we just kind of became friends like pretty quickly. And, and then I just remember him, going through the tournament and just winning the tournament and then me being with them right afterwards. And it was such a great experience to see this guy battle and, and win the battles and, and, and get the crown and become king of the rink. And then, and then I was with them afterwards and being able to experience that process, man, it was so special. Like it was incredible. And, and it couldn't have been with a better, like a better human being. He, he's such a good guy, man. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I was talking to him before, you know, we did this podcast. And so wanted to share like a funny story with you and for anybody listening really, but um, so I started last season in Columbus, Georgia. And so we played our first weekend, had two games. And then it was like during the middle of the week on Wednesday, there's a bar down there called outskirts. They do Wednesday stand up uh, like open mic night and just, you know, one of the guys on the team as we're out on like team dinner is like, Hey, um, Sarge, like, Hey, if you go up and do this stand up comedy, like 
you know, you, you won't get any fines for the rest of the season. I'm like, sure. Like that's easy enough. And, uh, you know, Schmidt, nice enough. He's like, Hey, I'll tag along with you. I'll do it with you. So you're not solo. And so that was awesome. So let's say that was Wednesday, Thursday morning, walk into coach's office. He's like, Hey, Sarge, like, you know, really sorry, but we're going to have to trade you to Carolina who Carolina came in and went and played like that was the next game, right? Like Carolina and Columbus were playing the next game. And so it was funny, like he's a really good dude. And obviously we had that. He's like, Hey, you know, willing to help you out however you need to. And so to help, you know, I'm sure, you know, too, right. We talked about like the, the lineage of, you know, hockey and hockey fights and you know how to establish a name. And, you know, some people might think that there's not like a, spot in the game anymore for it but yeah uh, i i totally think that there is and you know it's a part of uh everybody talks about you know policing the game sometimes you know things get missed or things need to be answered for and you know as much as i don't want to be like a huge advocate for it at the same time i do think that there's a place for it um and so that during that game we're up like four nothing or whatever we just scored like caroline just scored we're coming through the line or whatever and, you know, coach calls me to get that, get out there. Right. So right off the face off and <laughs> next guy to hop out from Columbus's bench, Schmitty, and just don't even have a chance. Right. He's like, Hey, we're going. I was like, ah, I'm not sure. Um, and, you know, we happen to get in a board corner battle. We break the puck out. So the puck's already down at the other total end. Right. And so yeah. um, all I see is Schmitty with his neck tattoos and all that stuff. And he's like right in front of me, shaking the gloves. I'm like, well, I guess now's, now's as good a time as ever. And so it was nice. I was, sorry about that, good. buddy. But, but yeah, no, I was, I was right into the story. Yeah, no. Um, just to finish it off, right. Like, you know, we had the, the tiff and then you know, I was, it was pretty funny, like having to code and stuff like that, where, you know, I was like, I, he's a warrior and I know he wants to go toe to toe. And I like, you know, wasn't that great of a fight or whatever. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, man, I look over at the box. I'm like, sorry, Schmitty. And he kind of gave me the nod of approval. He's like, Hey, good job, kid. Like regardless, right. Like just a good deal yeah. overall. So that was a pretty funny story of like, you know, getting to know Schmitty. Yeah, man. Like he's, uh, he's just, he's, he's, he's very unique, but like he's, but the best thing about him is how kind he is. Like he's such a nice guy. Like he only wants people to be comfortable and happy. And you know what I mean? We're all brought up to, it's supposed to be like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of cool, that, to, you know, that that a fighter through and through. The guy's a real fighter too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the guy will do bare knuckle, you know, like cage fighting and MMA this, and you know what I'm saying? Like, he's a he's the real deal, man. <laughs> yeah. So that's funny. Um, again, just the transition. Do you mind? Uh, kind of. Let's go forward and talk about your background playing for yeah. so did you grow up playing for Don Mills and then you got drafted by Pickering yeah so so I um I started um Malvern Scarborough Malvern House League and I ended up playing for Don Mills like like I made the AAA team at the youngest age group that they have AAA which at my time it was called novice I, I know that they've changed the age groups and all that I don't know if novice is still the first one but Novice is when you were nine years old and that was the first year that you could be triple A. So, so I was, I, 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 I was a big kid at that time. Size was such a big deal. 
you know, that, that really gave you potential if you were big and you could skate. Okay. And remember all that stuff. So, yeah. um, so yeah, man, I made the team. I made the, I'm just saying that because it was such a big deal to make the team like, right. So I made the team as yeah. a nine year old and played triple a my whole, my whole career until the Pickering Panthers, like you said, the Pickering Panthers was the stepping stone league to the OHL. Right. So anybody that was like, I guess if you were considered a good player, like in triple a, you played a year of tier two before the OHL where everyone else went to midget. Right. So, so yeah. Pickering, I wasn't, I, I so, so like, so like I, I was recruited there for sure. Um, but the draft was the OHL. Um, and then that's when obviously everything, everything got going, being in the, being in the system of, of hockey. Right. Which, which was, which was a great experience. Okay. So, you know, would you consider that more of like a developmental league too? Like kind of how, you know, right. The, the a was kind of like a, not like a holding place. Right. But, but in a place where you go to like develop your game in order to like, you know, get to oh, yeah. that similar to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, so, um, yeah, so, 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 so with the, with the league with, before the OHL, you know, there's the guys that are obviously, you know, going for their NCAA scholarships. And then there's the guys that, you know, are the OHL guys, which are usually like the bigger, rougher players. Right. It was so funny. Like, it was like, if you were a really good skater, you're going for a scholarship. If you were tougher, you're going for the OHL or whatever. Right. And, and so it definitely a developmental league, um, once I got drafted to the OHL, I was kind of told more what my role was going to be. Like, I'm usually asked, like, like a lot of guys will be like, so when did you really have to start the fighting? And, and, and I guess it was the OHL because I had Mark Hunter as my coach. And, you know, he's a really hard-nosed um, former player and coach. And, you know, he pretty much told me, you know, I was the guy, I was drafted to the Sarnia Sting. And he told me I was the guy for Sarnia and that that was my role. And, you know, and that there was a spot for me on the team if I was willing to embrace that role. Right. So that's what, when I had to do that. Um, but yeah, the developmental tier two league is, is, is actually a great league. And, and I, and I enjoyed my time going through there as well. Good. That's awesome. You know, one of the questions that I haven't had too, and since you kind of just touched on it was, you know, your background, right. You had a lot of experience in that. And so was it tough, like getting settled into like a fighting role, do you like, was it kind of like anything else, right? Where, you know, almost like training a muscle where it got easier as it went on, or was it always like, you know, a, a struggle? Yeah. I'm well for me, like, I think, I, I think I was like really lucky, man, because I just like, to be honest with you, Sarge, like, like I just had really, really good success at it when I was young. And I think that I, I think that was the only reason really why I continued to do it because like, you know, the first time I went out and did it, like, you know, like I was one and oh, and then the second time I was two and oh, and then I was three and oh, and I'm sure you, you noticed the pattern, right? And, you know, I was talking about this on Chicklets. So I was trying to explain it to Biz because that was when, you know, I started playing for Pickering and started winning all my fights. And then I started getting rated as like a fighter defenseman for the OHL. Like that was like my description now. And then Mark Hunter took me in the second round, man. <laughs> right. He took me in the second round, which is pretty decently high to get drafted and told me that I was the guy. So I just kind of continued to do that. And, um, you know, with the success still, and then, you know, we're talking junior, right? So it's not pro yet. So it, it's easier to be successful in junior than it is in pro. That's the, the, that's, that's a pretty easy statement to say. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, 
with that, what, you know, what does your like family think about it? You have, is it two brothers? Yeah. So I have, okay. I have two younger brothers and one older sister. Um, okay. and, uh, like, so like, as far as like what they thought of it, it's, it's definitely a process for the family, especially for the parents to get used to. I find see, like, it, it, it's such a weird topic, man, because it doesn't ha- really happen anymore. Right. So, so we're, so we're, but, but it, what makes it so interesting is that it used to happen a lot and every hockey team used to have a tough guy. So you got to think about like, a, like a talking point would be like, what were all those parents thinking of all those tough guys on all those hockey teams and all those fights and all, no, 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 that's okay, man. Um, so, 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 yeah, so it's, it's definitely a process. And like, I remember in the beginning, like with my mom, for example, I'll just start with her. Um, you know, obviously she, she didn't like, like, you know, one of her kids fighting like in a sport, but then when she realized that there was a role for it and she realized that, you know, like that it was part of the game and like her having a medical background, I think what made it easier for her was her mindset changed from worrying to, well, if he's going to do this and this is part of the game for him, then what's the best way that I can help him prepare for that? Like as far as mentally, as far as like, you know, if I have a little injury, her helping me get better, like, you know what I'm saying? So like, it was more like becoming part of the, becoming part of the team than worrying as a parent. Like that's how it kind of, kind of came out for my mom. Right. And then I think for boxers and yeah, I think for like boxers and stuff, it's probably the same thing. Like the parents are probably really worried at first and then they realize, Hey, my kid's a pretty good boxer. Maybe I should support him and just see like how I can help him instead of worry, worry for him. You know what I mean? So it's it's cool. That's a really good question, man. Yeah. No, I mean, makes sense like there it's such a shock factor right like fight like fighting and hockey maybe the first time you see your kid going through that like maybe you don't yeah. want to but you know like you said it's a part of the game and it's it's huge that you had you know family that would support you through that and like you know make that easier on you right like oh i don't have to think about what anybody else is thinking you just go out and do your job so that's huge yeah um and then and then to be honest with you sarge like just to add to it a little bit like it kind of became like a like a pride thing too because like, it's like, think about it. Like, like for me, for my family, for example, like, obviously I was the kid in our family that, you know, went the furthest in hockey, but you know, everybody sacrificed, everybody went to tournaments. We all spent our time, you know, in that development stage of, of, of the hockey journey. Right. So, so it's kind of like, you know, if I am now identified as, as a hockey fighter, right? It's kind of like, why not embrace that and be proud of it? Because we put so much work into it, like all the early morning practices, all the, you know what I mean? So, so I, I hope people understand what I mean when I say that. I know it's a little bit confusing, but, but I think the pride factor helped um, bring it along as well. No, that, I think that makes, makes perfect sense. Like I, I know what you mean. Um, and so you'll, while, while you're playing in the OHL, you know, I guess, I was kind of like looking around and seeing like the different teams that you played for and they were relatively close to, to Scarborough. Right. So like, you yeah. know, how nice was that kind of playing relatively close to home? Um, did they get like your family get to come out and see you a lot? What was your support system like? Yeah. So, I mean, my, my time in the OHL, I mean, it was, it was three seasons and, 
man, there was a lot of stuff that happened. A lot of, a lot of good stuff, a lot of cool stuff, a lot of weird stuff. But like, um, you know, there was a lot of teams and, and, and you're right. Like there was like, I, like, you know, Mississauga, you know, extremely close to where I was from. Um, Oshawa, the same, those are really cool experiences, you know, getting, getting family and friends, having the opportunity to see you play so much at a high level. Cause that's like, like the OHL is like, like the NHL for teenagers, right? Like it's, that's how high it's the highest level that you could possibly be at. Right. So it's quite a big deal. So it was an honor to have so many people have access, um, you you know, like for sure, especially Oshawa, because that was my last season. And, you know, it was right before I moved on to the next level, you know, I was scoring goals, you know, it was really cool for family to be able to be a part of that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you kind of talked on like getting to the next level and stuff, you know, during the time, like towards the end of playing in the OHL, like, did you know you were going to get drafted and picked up or was it, you know, a surprise or tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's so strange kind of the, the system of how it works with hockey, like after you get drafted and, and the reason why I say strange is just, it's just a lot more complicated than the other sports. Like you see basketball because my brother's a basketball guy, basketball players. There's only two rounds in the draft. All the first rounders are for sure guys that are on the team next year. About half of the second rounders will make it. The other half will go to their AHL, like, like, you know, league or whatever. Right. With hockey, there's like 10 rounds, you know, it's only the first top picks like Shane Wright and those guys that make the team. Everyone else goes back to junior. And then, cause they're too young to play in the AHL. Like it's all complicated. Right. So pretty much when I got drafted by Buffalo, the rule was I had two years to sign an entry-level contract with the Buffalo Sabres. So from my first year to my third year. So after I was done with Oshawa, I had till June 1st to sign with the Sabres, my three-year entry-level contract. So, and I was able to do that, which was incredible. Right. But did I think I was, it was going to happen before the Oshawa trade? I didn't because I was only known as a fighter and that wasn't good enough to really move on to the next level. The Hunter brothers did me a huge favor, traded me from London to Oshawa at the deadline. At the time, I was known as the toughest guy in the OHL or whatever, whatever label you want to give me. That's what most people were saying. The only problem with me is that I hadn't proven that I could play a regular shift and put some pucks in the net. So when I got traded to Oshawa, I was given the third line ice opportunity on the right wing. They threw me in front of the net on the power play, um, started scoring a couple power play goals. Confidence got really, really high for the, the 20 year old winger. Right. And, um, and, you know, and, and things went well and, and, you know, we made the playoffs, you know, we ended up playing Jason Spezza in the Belleville Bulls in the first round. You know, yours truly had the game winner for the first nice. game. We won game one, and I actually scored the winner in the playoffs. So you can imagine my confidence level, right? Yeah. So now because of all these little things, you know, the Sabres are, are monitoring this. They got a draft pick that's, you know, months away from having to be signed, and he started to score playoff goals, right? So I think that was the reason for me signing was me being able to prove that I could play. I think I scored about seven or eight goals in the last 20 games of the season. That's not huge, but for someone that hadn't scored before, it's a pretty big turnaround, right? And no, mind you, I was yeah, and, and for, 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 that, for sure. I, yeah, and like I was a defenseman, right? Like going into the OHL. So I wasn't like supposed to be scoring goals, but I ended up switching to the wing 
And as a winger, you're expected to produce some points, right? So I had to learn how to do that as a winger, and I did. And 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 I, I like you know guys like Mike Fuda, who was my assistant coach. The guy really helped me out a lot, man. George Burnett was a really strict coach, and but he was a really good one. And him and Fuda as a team, they they really helped me as a hockey player and and as a young man. And I I, I have a lot of um you know credit to give to Mike Fuda for that part of my career. Um, but I, I love talking about that, that part. So thanks for asking about it, buddy. Yeah, no problem. And, you know, just making assumptions here, but you know, you had established yourself, right? Like it's a little bit more, you know, playing with not a little bit, right. You're playing with toughness and like, you're a tough guy to play against. And, you know, if anybody gets near you, you know, they might have to answer for it. And so yeah. do you feel like that helped you give you a little bit of time and space too? you know, whether it was on the power play in front of the net or like you're saying on the wing, like, did you feel like you had a little more time and space out there? Yeah, hundred percent. Like it, like definitely when, when I had the opportunity to play in front of the net on the power play, like that's such a blessing when the coach lets you do that and you just sit your big butt in front of the net and, you know, try to deflect the pucks and put them in. So I, I felt that I did get some more room. I, I felt that the defensemen just weren't really comfortable with like moving me from the front because then that would be a confrontation and it might, you know, be the start of talking, fighting words. And, and like, they didn't want that to happen. Right. Cause yeah, I, how good I did that feel like starting to like produce some points. You're like, man, this, like, how good did that feel for you? Oh yeah. No, I, like, like, so it was amazing feeling. Um, I think that as athletes, I think that, that confidence is probably the biggest tool that we could use to be successful. Like if we have confidence and, and, and we feel good, like that's when we really, really thrive. And, and that's what I got in Oshawa. Once the points started happening, I already thought I was the toughest kid. I, I was a very confident teenager. You kind of, you kind of realize what you think your, your life purpose is supposed to be. And that's the exercise really of the class. Like that's, you're supposed to find out what your life purpose is. Right. So at the end of this class, I was able to, to, to come to the, to, to come to the realization that I think my purpose in life is to uplift. So now uplifting could be, it could be people. It, it could be an event. It could be an association. It, it could be whatever it is, but, but I believe that, that my life purpose is to uplift. I have, I have, I have been able to identify what my values are. And as a result, now I understand of why I enjoy doing all these things as a young professional hockey player off the ice. And, and the answer to that is because it's my passion. I like being the medium. I like entertaining. I like making people feel better. And I like seeing people smile. Right. So because I'm a hockey guy through and through, and because I spent so much time and knowledge learning this game, I, I just believe that, that I will really enjoy being on the other side of the game right now, the media side where I can give insight and help people and be part of movements like, like making hockey more inclusive, making it more accessible for everybody, you know, helping, helping with, with the racism in hockey, you know, really getting people to understand anti-bullying. Like there's a lot of things that are involved with it. And, you know, if I can be um, a big character on TV and give my message and help people, then, then I believe that I'm making a difference, man. And, and I, and living out my life purpose to uplift and, um, and, and I'm just happy that you asked me that question, bro. It's such a nice question that you asked, bro. You're doing such a good job today, man. Thank you. I appreciate Seriously, it. Seriously, though. Uh, yeah. That's nice. Um, 
trying to show up to these, you know, be, be prepared. Like, um, I guess, you know, message for, you know, any hockey player, right? Like it's a kind of a cliche, but the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So um, try to show up, be prepared, that type of thing. Um, you talked about the media side of it. Um, put you in the hot seat a little bit. You want to give me your breakdown of the NHL right now or what? Yeah, for sure. Now the the aspect of like of like what I think of the NHL or or like what? Um, let's go into yeah, like what you think of the NHL. I guess your breakdown or if you have like a, any kind of predictions of like cup or who you like. Okay, right on. Um, well, I mean, the NHL. Like, I'm 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 a big fan. I've always been. Um, you know any any old school fan or player is going to tell you that obviously. They're disappointed about how soft the NHL has become. And, but, you know, a hockey guy like me can also appreciate the skill and the speed. You know what I mean? Like, hockey's a beautiful sport. Like, you know, we all have – it doesn't matter how tough we are. Deep down, deep down, when we have those skates and we're going on an outdoor rink, or even if it's just a normal rink, even if it's – just like a little sheet of ice on a pond that you're able to skate on. But when you get on that ice and you hear that sound and and you, and you feel that air, especially if it's outdoor, like we all get something out of that. We all do, right? We all do. So the best league in the world to, to watch the skates, watch like, you know, guys like, Macar on Colorado dangle around and do all these fancy moves. Like it's, 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 it's artwork. It's beauty. And even a, an old school tough guy like me, I love that stuff. Right. Cause I'm a hockey guy. Right. So, I mean, it's a love hate relationship. I appreciate the skills so much. I wish that they didn't change the things the way they did. Obviously you can't show hockey brawls on a 24 our news cycle, like how we have now, you can't show stuff like that. Right. So they had to change the game from how it was in the seventies and eighties. But I just think that it was a little bit too extreme on the one end. But again, I, I appreciate the skill. Um, as far as predictions, uh, it's, it's so funny talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs, man, just because of the storylines of, you know, the, the, the Owen 10 going into the second round, the, the oh man the the disappointment last year to to you know and then the media is like I remember in the beginning of the year the media doing this thing with Austin Matthews where they were making it like he just says every year oh this is our year and then everyone just believes him and <laughs> and you know they're kind of making him look bad I think they were kind of setting him up I didn't really like that um, but like I mean the Leafs look so strong again. Like, so what do you do? Like, what do you do when you, when, when you're, when you're living in a city like Toronto and they're now, I think they're, they're 15 and five in their, in like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but they started weak and now they're just on fire and they have all this firepower up front. They got guys like Tavares that aren't even on the first line. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a powerhouse over here, man, but there's been so much disappointment that you don't want to say, I think this is the Leafs here again. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's so difficult, but I got to pull for them though, man. And I hope that they do advance. I really hope that they do, man, at least to the second round. Come on. You know what I mean? Austin's yeah. got to do it. Marner's got to do it. Um, my predictions. I mean, I, um, I, there, there's the, <laughs> I think Toronto's got a shot. Um, I think Colorado's awesome. 
I think that um, I think I, I think the Rangers, the Rangers are good again, although they're getting exposed a little bit. It's going to be interesting. You know what? We're going to have to do another episode like later into the season, right? Because right now it's too wide open, my man. Yeah, too right. wide open for predictions, man. But just know that I'm pulling for my for my Leafs. You know what I mean? I'm pulling that they'll 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 do well. <laughs> there you go, hometown team. You gotta love it. Um, who who do you think has the the belt right now? Who has like for toughness? Yeah. For toughness? Okay. I mean, yeah. Okay, that's a great question. Um, I mean. The, the guy that should have that should have it that that's the strongest and and that probably has the best resume is Reeves. You know what I mean? But then you got guys like, you know, like like there's that there's Laurier's that's on Philly now. He's he's going after guys like there's there, there's guys that are that are pushing their weight around and stuff. But but I got to give it to Ryan Reeves, man. I got to give it to him because he has the ability to be the guy. And, and the way the NHL is now with, with with there not being that many fights, I mean, all Reeves would really have to do is go on a three- or four-game tear where he fought once a game and he'd be the king of the ring again. You know what yeah. I mean? That's all he'd have to do. He already has the rep, he, he, reputation. I mean, you got guys like Lucic that have the same ability in Calgary. You know what I mean? Same ability, Lucic yeah. and Reeves. Like if, if either of those guys wanted, they could be like, you know what? I'm going to send a message to the league. My team is going to be feared. For the next five games, I will have one fighting major. Every game, I don't care who it is, I'm going to go after somebody. And if they did that, right, without getting an instigator, like the league would be like, holy smokes, Minnesota is now the most intimidating team in the league. Ryan Reese has had five fighting majors in the past four games. And, you know what I mean? Like, and same thing with Lucic. So, I mean, if they really wanted to, they could terrorize the league. Right, so I got I got to yeah. say, Lucich or, or Reeves, man. Okay, nice. Yeah, I think those are those are two pretty good top picks, and probably who I'd go with too. And throwing in Delorier, he seems like a kind of like a newer guy on the scene, but like pretty really tough. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, man. Seriously, thank you so much. You know, I know you got a lot of other stuff going on too. So I wanted to say thanks for for hopping on. And do you have any like anything else you'd want to share like well, for? Yeah, no, no, for sure. Well, well, first of all, I I, I just want to let your listeners know, like, how good you really are as a host, because I'm telling you, like, like I, I was, I'm so, I was so excited for this episode. I'll be honest with you. I was so excited for this episode that I was jumping around a lot. And, you know, you, you kept it kosher. You kept me comfortable and, and you kept the topics real. And, and I really appreciate that, man. I think you do an incredible job. And and I hope I earned a, 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 an invite back on the show in the future because it's, it's that cool for me. Anytime, absolutely anytime. Um, Plus, we got a cross yeah. promotion going on, so you owe me a, you owe me a show now on on the Sheriff Podcast, buddy. <laughs> Done. <Send laughs> deal. It's a deal. Awesome. Um, yeah. Thanks again, big guy, and uh, really good talking to you, meeting you, and. Um, yeah, like wish you the best with everything coming. I know you're trying to get in the media game and, you know, keep doing your thing because, you know, I see your Instagram and stuff like that. You keep pushing it and it's going to it's gonna work out for you. So keep going. I really appreciate it, brother. Thank, thank you so much again. And, and again, you're doing such a great job, man. Your listeners are lucky to be hearing you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, big guy. Take it easy. Take it easy, my brother.